Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we're so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Remain standing. It is a great honor to have our senior pastor, Dr. James Morocco, with us. Put your best thunderous applause together for him. Come on, let's praise Jesus. Would you do it? Hallelujah. Now give me a little bit more microphone. I preached a lot already today. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? Now, how many of you got a nap this afternoon? Let me see your hand. Way to go. I wish I could have. But something very strange happened. You know, I have hundreds, if not thousands, of messages. And when I travel, I'll just pack my Bible full of messages. And I'll preach one. But that's not happening today. In between the services, the Lord spoke to me said, you're going to preach a message you've never preached before. I said, thanks a lot. <laughs> so if I flunk, I flunk, but I love you anyways. Amen. I'd rather obey God than look good. Somebody say amen. amen. So I'm going to preach a word. It's a revelation that's changed my life. And if you'll hear it tonight, it'll change yours. I want you to turn to James chapter 4. We're only going to read... One verse, James chapter 4, and I want you to look at verse 17. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Let us pray. Better pray hard. Father, I'm asking you to intervene tonight. I'm asking, come on, folks, pray in the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, come. Come in power, come in might. Now, Lord, I'm obeying you to preach something I've not preached before, but something you told me to preach. So I'm asking you, Lord, to give your people revelation, give me great liberty in preaching that this word will be transformational for your people. Give us ears to hear, a heart to respond, and eyes to see. And when we leave tonight, we'll know we heard from you. And I'm going to thank you for it in advance. Come on, lift your hands with me and let's thank him. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When you leave tonight, there's some books in the back, books I've written. They'll bless you. And... Uh, it's a way I can bless the congregation here. I want to talk tonight on a very unusual sub subject, the sensitive person. Everybody say the sensitive person. <laughs> when I mention that little phrase, all of a sudden pictures come to your mind. It may be the picture of a person who is sensitive to the needs of others and just very quickly evaluates situations and says, oh, this person has a need and they move in that. Some of you may see it as a negative, a person who tends to be so sensitive that they get offended anytime anybody says anything. But I want to talk tonight on the sensitive person because the real sensitive person is a person who's sensitive to sin. Who has a deep awareness of what sin is and lives their life in such a way that they try to live free of sin. You see, we live in a world where sin is no longer sin. We even use phrases like sinfully delicious as though somehow that's supposed to be cool. You see, the problem we live in is Paul described in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, when he said the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 
Make no mistake about it. The reason why some people say, I don't believe in God, has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with their sin. They want to live their life their way, and they don't want anyone to tell them what's right or wrong. It's a wickedness that's deep and real, and it's invading our lives and our nation. Sin is very, very real. In fact, there's a number of words for sin in the New Testament. I'm not going to get into all the Greek, but one of the words is amartia, which means missing the mark. But you'll notice that sin is interestingly expressed in Scripture. Let me give you an example. Take your Bibles just for a moment. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, I, I want you to look at verses 9 through 11. I drew reference to it this morning for a brief moment. But I want you to read this. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's a pretty clear list. If you're doing any of those things, you are deep in sin. And this is the good news. And that is what some of you were. He had a whole congregation of folk like that. I have a whole congregation of folk like that. That's what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. How? God can transform a human life. One bound in sin and now free. But it gives you a clear idea of what sin is. You can't say, well, I don't know what sin is. You're doing any of those things, you're in sin. If that doesn't grab you, take a look at Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians 5, Paul gives a similar list. There's a number of these lists. I won't go through all of them. Take a look at verse 19. It says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to me. You do any of those things or any things Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 6, you're on your way to hell. Let's make no mistake about it. Paul says it. You see, we live in a world where everything's gray. There's neither right, there's no wrong. Well, it's up to you. Whatever you see is wrong is wrong. Whatever you see is right is wrong. Give me a break. You know, we've been affected by Star Wars, the Force. It's Hinduism. It's, it's, it's a form of, of Eastern thought. You say, well, you know, the force is good and it's evil. Now, let me make it real clear. God is not good and evil. He's good. He's good all the time. There is no evil in him. You better be glad there is no evil in him. Or you'd all be crispy critters. Eastern thought sees evil and good as two sides of the same coin, cruelty and non-cruelty. So let's suppose I'm sitting over here with Pastor Kirsten. I say, Pastor Kirsten, I don't like the fact you wear glasses. And so therefore, because you wear glasses, I'm going to take this hot boiling water and I'm going to pour it on your head. Pastor Kirsten says, wait a minute, that's wrong. I said, wait a minute, stop. What do you mean that's wrong? You believe in Eastern thought? Cruelty and non-cruelty are two parts of the same coin. I've just decided I want to pour hot water on your head because I don't like your glasses. He said, oh, people don't think that way. Stop for a moment. Never forget a woman who worked in the bank, and one of the people in my church was trying to witness to her about Jesus. And she said these words, well, what's good for you is good. But I don't need him. What she was saying is there's no such thing as right and wrong. Everything is relative. But that 
philosophy doesn't work in life. And it didn't work for her because one day a robber came to the very bank, put a gun in her head and said, give me your money. She quickly got the money, gave it to her. And while he was leaving, she said, that's wrong. Wait a minute. Who says that's wrong? If it's so good for him, it's good. You can't live there. And you can watch all the Star Wars you want. And you can get all involved in your Eastern meditation. But it doesn't work in the real world. There's a God who says this is right and this is wrong. If you're going to be a sensitive person, you've got to first be sensitive to the reality of sin and what it is and what it isn't. Yes, sin is breaking God's law. Sin is not doing God's will. Jesus said, not every man that crieth, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. You can say hallelujah all you want. You can raise your hands and you can look like a Christian, smell like a Christian. And go straight to hell because you're not doing God's will. Sin is not doing God's will. The thing, one of the things that really gets me though about sin is Paul writes in Romans 14, 23. He says, that which is not of faith is sin. I go, ah, I can't handle it. You wonder why I take huge steps of faith? You wonder why we started a project where we've spent already $8 million? And I'm in seven building projects as I stand here and I was in Arkansas Enid, Oklahoma, just four days ago, and the church there is overflowing. They can't fit any more people in, and the pastor said, we need another building. I said, thanks a lot. <laughs> so he takes me to a building, and I make a call on the sign, and while I was getting ready to get on the plane, I think it was yesterday, I get a call from this person. Begins to tell me about that building. The reason why I take steps of faith is because that which is not of faith is sin. That'll change your life. Some of you are afraid to give. That which is not of faith is sin. Some of you are afraid to get involved in ministry. That which is not of faith is sin. But the thing that really undid me, absolutely undid me, was the verse I read to you tonight in James chapter 4, verse 17. Him who knows to do good and fails to do it, to him it's sin. I was doing a study on the book of James. I was in my office. This was years ago when I was young and uh, thin and had hair. Hallelujah. <laughs> my office was in the back. This was when I was in Honolulu before I went to Maui 39 years ago. I was studying the book of James. Got out of my office. I had to go do something. I walked through the lobby. It was not the lobby. It was kind of the, where the secretaries were. It was kind of a reception area and happened to look over at one of the secretaries uh, sitting near some louvered windows and the louvered windows were filthy. And I said to her, I said, somebody ought to clean those windows. I walked out, did my thing, got back to my office. Happened to be reading James 4. And like a neon sign, this verse came up. Him who knows to do good and fails to do it, to him it's sin. And the Holy Spirit said, why don't you go wash those windows? Him who knows to do good. Wouldn't that be good? 
Pastor Morocco, wouldn't that be good? Yeah, but it's not my job. It's the janitor's job. It's, I'm the pastor. Him who knows to do good and fails to do it, to him it's sin. I got so convicted, I got up. I went to a closet down the hall, got a bucket and a squeegee. I went over to the secretary's desk and said, excuse me. I started cleaning those louvered windows. That secretary almost fainted. From that time on, this thing has grown on me all these years. I work, at 20, I work out a 24-hour prayer after early morning prayer meeting. In all of our extensions, we have early morning prayer meeting on Maui. We have prayer centers everywhere on Maui now. and We meet from 5.30 to 6.30, and we'll have over 120 people meeting for prayer. It's the one thing that keeps this church alive. You hear me. Don't you think you can build that building just with money? You better build it with prayer. If you're not praying, I'm going to slap you silly. You get in there and you pray. After prayer meeting, I go work out. I'm trying to keep a few muscles on my body. Problem is, I'm rapidly getting Chester drawers disease. My chest is dropping into my drawers. So I work out, I try. So I'm, 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 in, I'm in the bathroom at 24 Hour Fitness. And you know, they got a lot of slobs that work out over there. And I walked into the toilet area and there was toilet paper all over the floor. I said, boy, I'm going to tell the manager. He needs to get somebody in here to clean this up. And I heard a still small voice. <laughs> him who knows to do good and fails to do it, to him it's sin. I said, give me a break. Him who knows to do good and fails to do it, to him it's sin. I found myself picking up that toilet paper. It was not a wonderful thing. And every time I go to 24 hours, they have a volunteer janitor. It's me. But one of the most impacting moments in my life happened about, oh, I think it was last Easter. It was about two or three days before Easter. And right by my house is a forest. It's a national forest. And many times I'll walk in that forest. I live at about 4,000 feet up on Haleakala, about as far as you can go uh, <clears throat> before you get to Haleakala Ranch. And there's a forest where people walk because it goes down to a spring. Now, I've never gone down to the spring because I went to the cliff that looks over and I thought if I go down there I got to come back up <laughs> I said it ain't worth it my wife went down I said how was it and she said it wasn't worth it <laughs> oh I felt better but I'd walk I'd walk down through that forest and the trail there and people would come from all over and they'd walk there because it's you know it's like you're living in Colorado or something instead of Maui and there's a big sign when you get on the trail that says, please pick up after your dog. So I'm walking. And there was a pile of dog poop right there. I almost stepped in it. And I said, who in their right mind would allow their dog to do that? I stepped over it and walked on. And then I heard a still small voice. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. It was bad. Him who knows to do good and fails to do it. 
To him, it is sin. I said, oh, Jesus, Jesus, no, Jesus, not that one. No, no, no. Couldn't get away from it, so I turned around. I looked at that pile of dog poop. I found two sticks, and I painstakingly <laughs> carried him off the trail and threw him in the thing. And I did it again. And so I'm, I'm bending over, just getting the last one. And this couple walks up. They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning up some dog poop. Somebody else should have cleaned up. Excuse me, let me finish. They thought it so unusual, they waited until I moved the dog poop. So they're just standing there. So I figured, well, better strike up a conversation. <laughs> I guess they'd never seen anybody do that. I started talking with them. They didn't know the Lord. But I said, you know what? You ought to come to church on Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. Why don't you come? I, I pastor King's Cathedral in Maui. It's a big church there on the corner. They said, well, we'll, we'll see. Did you know they came to church Easter Sunday? And after that, I thought, dog poop. Dog poop brought them to church. If I had not stopped to pick up the dog poop, they'd have never been in church. Him who knows to do good. And fails to do it. To him it's sin. Oh, that's worked in my spirit. It's made me more sensitive to sin. In fact, can I suggest to you that every man and woman who's married will experience something that will radically alter your life. It's called menopause. If you haven't learned this lesson, him who knows to do good and fails to do it, him it's in, you will learn it during menopause. You say, Pastor, what's menopause? Well, it's when a woman in around mid-40s to... About 50 or so, some start a little earlier. The hormones begin to no longer function like they once did. Hormones regulate moods. And all of a sudden, the person you thought you married isn't there anymore. <laughs> Her knees hurt. She can't sleep well. She gets hot flashes. You're freezing and she's, she's fanning herself. Turns the air conditioner on to double, and you're just. <laughs> but the worst thing, beyond all of that, is that she doesn't tolerate anything anymore. See, when you got married, she tolerated you. And she tolerated you, man, for 20 something years. Those socks you put on the floor? She ain't going to tolerate that anymore. The garbage you didn't take out? She ain't going to tolerate that anymore. You're going to find it flying right at you. And all of a sudden, man, your men are so strange. They go, what happened to my wife? And she accuses you of everything. Any woman looks at you, hey, you're committing adultery, you are. <laughs> Jesus, help us. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> hey, 
men are crazy anyways, you know. But men go, well, all right, well, if that's what she's accusing me of, well, I guess I better go do it. Oh, come on, just slap yourself. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Hormones have changed. Everything's changed. She's not going to tolerate all the rules. You see, in marriage, there's what's called meta rules. You know what meta rules is? This is my specialty, marriage counseling and all that stuff. Meta rules are unspoken rules. They're rules you create that nobody writes down. Like, the wife does the dishes, the men does the garbage. Right. Who made that rule? We had a rule. When you get out of bed, you make your own bed. I didn't like the rule. So I changed the rule. I said, honey, we're changing the rule. The last person out of bed makes the bed. Worked out great for me because I get up at four in the morning for prayer. <laughs> I, just, I just changed the rule. Now let me tell you what happens. When you get to menopause, all the rules change. And you as men don't know they got changed. You're still putting your socks on the floor. You're still not taking the garbage when you're supposed to take it out. And all of a sudden, this Vesuvius explodes in your home. And you go, what? 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 I've been doing this for 20 years. How come now you're screaming? What's wrong with you? Hormones. Menopause. And I began to pray about it. I said, God, what am I going to do? <laughs> it was bad. And the Lord spoke to me. I didn't like what he said. He said, son, if you have a car and it's got 200,000 miles on it, you're going to have to change the heads. You're going to have to fix that engine if you're going to get any more miles from it. He said, son, I've created menopause. So you'll work on the engine of your marriage. So, son you got to be more sensitive. I said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I began to think through some things. I began to think about what my wife felt like and what I needed to do to help her. I began to realize, you know what? It wasn't really fair that she had to tolerate all the nonsense I did for all those years. So it's about time we change some things. And we survived menopause. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say praise God. But God taught me something. He's constantly working to make us a sensitive person. Now think about this. Him who knows to do good and fails to do it. To him it's sin. Let's talk about your children. Ephesians 6. Both in Ephesians and Colossians, Paul writes, don't exasperate your children. My children would remind me of that verse. <laughs> him who knows to do good and fails to do it to him it's sin. You're not Mr. Tyrant. You're dad who loves his children, and you respect them. You don't treat them like slaves. I love my kids. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to express it. I hug on them. I love on them. I remember we were flying to Molokai, my son and I. He was probably 
18, 17. I just hug on him. We were on a small plane and some guys in the back. Josh heard him over talking. He said, one guy said to the other, he said, boy, I wish I had a dad that loved me like that. I love my girls. I'm not ashamed to hug on them and love them and tell them I love them. And I love my wife. Bible says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Oh, Jesus. That's more than 100%. Bible says, wives, respect your husband. Honor him. Paul writes, says, you older ladies teach the younger ladies how to love their husband. See, him who knows to do good but fails to do it to him in sin. You can scream all you want and think you're cool. But if you're disrespecting someone and you're not honoring and you're not loving, you're sinning. And you can justify it. You say, well, I just married a jerk. Takes one to know one. I didn't get any amens on that. Are you hearing me? The Bible talks about giving honor to whom honors do. Listen to me. When it comes to politics, hear me. I prayed for all of our presidents. Some of them I didn't vote for, but I prayed for them and I interceded for them. And I give them honor. I had, I've had mayors and, 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 and leaders in our government and they, they, they advocate things that I don't appreciate and I don't like. But when they come on my campus, our church, I honor them. Because the Bible says I'm to do that. And him who knows to do good and fails to do it, to him it's sin. You can rattle your mouth all you want, but listen to me. God's hearing what you're saying. The Bible tells us we're to respect those who God has put over us in the Lord. This is a house of honor. You honor these pastors. You honor these ministers. You say, why did you give them a title? I didn't give them a title for their ego. I have an earned doctorate, and I have a title as a pastor. But listen to me, friend. I don't have a problem with my ego. I know who I am. Those titles have nothing to do with some ego problem I have. You know what it is? It's simply an issue of honor. To hold them in respect, the Bible says. Paul writes it to the Thessalonians. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 13 says, obey those. Listen, if you come to any of these pastors and you've already made up your mind what you're going to do, don't waste their time. But if you're open to hearing what they have to say, then you can come. And if they suggest to you, hey, consider this, you pray about it. But if you've already decided what you're going to do, you're just, you're, just, you're just wasting people's time. When your pastor preaches a message, you obey the word of the Lord. Him who knows to do good and fails to do it, to him it's sin. When that offering plate comes down the row and the Holy Ghost says to you, put that in the offering, you go, no way, Jose. They don't need my money, I need it. Let me tell you a story. I was just in Oregon on Thursday, on Friday night. I flew up here Saturday, yesterday. A young man sat next to me at the banquet we had there. He was a logger. I don't know if you know loggers, but they're a strange breed. You know that, don't you? And he knew it, and he said so. You know how they got saved? Him and his wife were in a park, and there was a church that was serving some food at the park. They went to go get the food. That church happened to be King's Chapel. They got saved. They were added to the church. And a young man in the church took them under their wing. They're a young couple. And he said, you need to tithe. He said, what? 
He said, you need to return to God 10%. It's a covenant act. He goes, and he said, listen, if you tithe and God doesn't intervene for you, I'll help you. But you promised me you'll tithe. He said, all right, I'll tithe. Well, he didn't have enough money to buy food. But he cut his check from his paycheck. And he gave the 10%. And then he prayed. He said, God, you got to intervene because that's my food money right there. About a day later, somebody walks up to him out of the blue, out of the blue, and says, uh, hey, you know, I've got some food. Would you like some? He didn't even know the man. The guy said, well, yeah, of course. He takes him to his house. He has closets full of food. He said, take everything you want. He took so much that he couldn't even fit it in his house. That boy is a tither today. Him who knows to do good and fails to do it, to him it's sin. Don't play with the instructions of the Lord. I could go on for hours. But that one word has shifted my life. find myself saying, Lord, help me to not miss opportunities to do good. So why would God say a word like that? It's because the essence of sin is selfishness. And whether we like it or not, all of us are self-centered. What am I going to get out of it? Why do you have to get anything out of it? Who in the world do you think you are, God? And people say, well, I'm not going to get involved in ministry. What do I get out of it? Makes you just want to slap somebody. <laughs> the reason why God has you serve is so you can do good. The reason why... Him who knows to do good and fails to do it to him, it's sin. It's because when you think about doing good, you're not thinking anymore about yourself. And selfishness does not become an idol. Tonight, the Lord is speaking to all of us. Just think about it for just a moment. What if everyone in this congregation decided, hey, you know, it'd be good if I got involved in the children's ministry. It'd be, it'd be good if I went out and witnessed. It'd be good if I, if I sang when the worship team or played the instrument I, I used to play. It'd be good if I could be an usher. It'd be great if I could be a life group leader and disciple people. It'd be great. It'd be good. It'd be good. All of a sudden, a church that is inactive. Are you aware of the fact we're a body? We're a body. Now think about this a moment. If your hand doesn't work in your body, that hand affects the rest of your body. Think about how Jesus looks at the church and he sees all these gifts, but they're not operating. And so it's an ear that's not hearing, an eye that's not seeing, a hand that's not working, a foot that's not working. And so the church is limping along. When God has given everything into this church that's needed to touch this entire state with the gospel and touch the world. But he's waiting for you to hear a word. Him who knows to do good and fails to do it, to him it's sin. Can I encourage you today to become a sensitive person? Stand to your feet. Lift both hands in the air. And let's worship the Lord together. Come on. Let's worship. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship the Lord. 
People just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. God's going to do something in your life. God's going to do something in your life. God's going to do something in your life. Hallelujah. How many of you say, Pastor Bronco, look, I want to do better in this area. I want to do good. Wave at me, wave at me, wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. Leave your hands raised. Let me pray for you. Father, you got a whole congregation of people that want to be used by you. They want to do good. And out of that good work, change the world. Help them. Help them to love their wife. Help them to love their husband. Help them to love their children. Help them to give honor to where honors do. Help them do the things that would allow this church to be what it needs to be. Oh, God, do it. People, just ask the Lord right now with your hand raised. Say, God, help me. Help me. Help me, Lord. Come on, just pray this prayer of Jesus. Pray it out loud. Jesus, I stand before you. I yearn to be sensitive, to be that sensitive person. sin so that I will not sin. Help me, Lord, to do good, to see opportunities to do good. Use me, Lord, for your glory, honor, and praise. Hallelujah. Come on, would you worship the Lord with the team? Come on, everyone lift your voice. church in Wasilla. One purpose God called me to this place was so that many could come to salvation. God brought you into this service tonight for a purpose to save you. He doesn't want you going to hell. The Bible tells us it's not his desire for any to perish, 
but to all come to repentance. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure that if I were to die tonight, I'd go to heaven. But I want to be sure. I want my sins forgiven. Heaven to be my home. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that be you, would you take a bold step right now? Would you, would you signify your desire to get right with God by slipping your hand up right where you are? Do it right now. Quickly. Quickly. Yes. God bless you. 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 So many. You can put your hands down. God bless you. You say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but I'm not where I ought to be with God, and I know it. I need to make a fresh commitment in my life to Jesus. Pastor, pray for me. Let me see your hand. Slip it up real high. Slip it up real high. This is your night to get right. In a moment, God's going to release a healing wave here. But the greatest healing is the healing of the human soul. I want everyone to lift your hands as a sign of surrender to God and pray this prayer. Pray it out loud, unashamedly, because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sin. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me because you died for me on the cross. So I could be forgiven. And you rose again. So I could have eternal life. Jesus, come into my life now. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my King. I surrender all that I am to you. And I will serve you with my whole heart. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Now just leave your hands raised. Come on. Let's just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. The Lord's going to baptize people in the Spirit. You need the power of God in your life. Holy Ghost, come. Fill believers with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Jesus, baptize believers in the Holy Ghost tonight. Fill them with your power. Hallelujah. Spirit of God, come. Spirit of God, come. Spirit of God, come. Somebody you've had pain in your ear, it comes and goes. Where are you? Quickly come. Somebody has a problem with the scalp. There's an itchiness that hasn't gone away. You've tried to do it. You tried to put stuff on it, it doesn't work. Quickly come. Stand here. Quickly come. Quickly come. There's a healing for you. Somebody's been having severe pain in your fingers and your knuckles, and your hands. Come quickly. In fact, there's others who've been having problems with your elbows and your knees. It's like an arthritic situation. I don't know if it's a buildup of uric acid. I don't know what it is, but it's something that's happened to you. Quickly come. Quickly come. People pray in the Holy Ghost as a release of God's healing power. There's somebody here who's been having a problem with your heart. It's not palpitating right, and it's gotten you quite nervous. Quickly come. Quickly come. Come stand here. Somebody whose kidneys aren't working properly. In fact, there's been times you've had pain in your back, and you don't know what it is. God has a healing for you. Quickly come. Quickly come. People pray in the Holy Ghost. There's a real flow of healing here today. Shabbat Shalom. Somebody who's had a problem with your jaw. Let me tell you what happened. You had an accident and something went wrong with your jaw and it's caused headaches. It's caused problems and you're wondering where it's from. It's from your jaw. I don't know if you got hit in a car situation or something happened. But God's going to heal you tonight. Quickly come. Quickly come. Quickly come. The Spirit of the Lord is present. Pastors, quickly come. There's an anointing. And that anointing is going to break yokes tonight. You're one of my pastors. Just come stand up here quickly. Quickly. There's an anointing. There's an anointing for healing. God's going to use you. People pray in the Holy Ghost. Ministers, you come too. Quickly. 
quickly. When I say come, you come quickly. Don't waste it around. There's anointings. Don't waste it. In the name of Jesus, I declare that when hands are laid by these, upon these who responded to the word, may healing flow. May your power be demonstrated tonight. And I declare it done in the name of Jesus. Come on. Lay hands on them. That's the power of God on you. That's the power of God on you. Shabbat.
Touches a leper and makes them whole. And Luke writes, he was full of leprosy, and Jesus touched him. Because the clean, the unclean became clean because of the miracle working power of Jesus. Now, in the name of Jesus, as I lay hands on my brother, let faith arise and God touch him. Be healed in Jesus' name. Every renegade cell gone. Every evil affliction broken. Spirit of infirmity gone in Jesus' name. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Shopati. I want everyone in this house who needs a miracle, whatever it is, just lift your hand. Lord, when we talk about sensitivity, sensitivity to you, to be holy, sensitivity to sin so that we do not hurt you, you respond. Your presence is here tonight. Now, there are those who are in pain. Pain, go now. There are those who need financial miracles. Miracle, come forth. There are those who need relational healings in their own family. May it come forth in the name of Jesus. There are those who need a job. Job come forth in Jesus' name. There are those who need a house to live in. And transportation. I declare that the working of God will come on your behalf and bring it forth. Shabbati. Shabbati. There's about three people here that are going through a lawsuit. You're quite concerned about it. 
Jesus, intervene. Give them favor. Give them wisdom and help them. In Jesus' name. great man of God, Pastor Karen, come. I want all the staff to come. Just come stand here. Just stand here. Just stand here. Listen to me. I only get to come very rarely. Someday I'll be able to come more often. But right now my hands are full. But God's given you a tremendous, tremendous team. Great leader in Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen really has given you. And I just believe that together, as they work as a one and as you work as one, great things are going to happen. Reach your hands out to them. Come on. Father, I honor this man and woman after your own heart and this team that are willing to serve you with all they have. And Lord, I'm just asking that every one of them on this team will be used mightily by you. Your families will be blessed. You'll prosper them. You'll help them. you give them the desires of their heart. Lord, may they lead as Moses did, a people. May they lead as Joshua did, a people. May every promise you've given this house be fulfilled. So, Lord, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. I pray you'll raise up those who will hold up their arms in prayer and in giving and in service and in reaching out to others. That your name will be glorified through KC in Alaska. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I love you guys. Can't handle it. You know, I really do love the people of it's a, it's a strange thing because, you know, I don't know if you noticed it, but we are family. We get a little bit of heaven here on earth. Don't lose it. Pastor Bracken, would you pray a blessing on these folks? Lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to Jesus. Sing it to him. You are good. 
I'm going to close and bless you. We need lots of help picking up all the chairs up out of here at the direction of our beloved administrative superstar, Pastor Kirsten Davis. Let me close and bless you, and then he's going to give some instructions. If you're able to help us put these chairs away, we deeply appreciate it. Lots of work, but it won't take long because many hands make like work. That's right. It only takes about 15, 20 minutes with everybody working. So if you're able to, we'd appreciate that. Let me bless you. Father, thank you for what you've done. Those online, those that are here, those that will listen to this message at a later day. God, thank you. We are no longer slaves to sin. And those to know the good. How's that? What is that scripture again? To him who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. We're going to do the right thing, God. Come on, tell him. I'm going to do the the right thing. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.